Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Guys Stock Talk Show with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Momentum. And we are 32-year Wall Street veterans who have had to take on secret identities and go underground in order to provide you with our candid views on a handful of stocks that we screen for here in the shop each week. You've seen our faces on TV. You've seen us quoted in the news, but our bosses would never allow our unfiltered views on the air. So we've disguised our voices, and they'll never know. This week, it's October 11th. We've run a a screen right out of Chris Brown's little book of value. And uh, the reason I do it, it's a pretty straightforward screen, but it's a button on my computer, so we did that. And we've got three terrific stocks, but first, a couple of important caveats. First, this show's for entertainment purposes only. That's not a guarantee. Secondly, Mo and I are professional analysts and portfolio managers during the week, and we do some careful fundamental analysis. We talk to management teams. We uh, project the future of the financial statements, et cetera. We've done absolutely none of that here. Third, um, and our lawyers say to remind you that this show, uh, we may not have your best interests in mind, so please do your own work. We may accidentally recommend you do the opposite of what's best for you. Um, And if we do that, it's not on purpose, I assure you. And then fourth, and it's extremely true this week, Mo, in my case, can't speak for you, uh, I have been drinking a little bit. It's after work here. Um, And so uh, see all our caveats, other disclosures, photographs, and, you know, a five-year history of shows, so there's a lot out there, at www.thevalueguys.com. Or look for us on Facebook at uh, The Value Guys or Val Hughes. And then on Twitter, we're at Value Guys, and we're uh, we're posting stuff whenever we put up a show. So, um, so see all that, and uh, all of our additional caveats on the show there, which is uh, not worth reading, but I have to mention it. Um, okay, it's October 11th. Uh, we've got three stocks. Let me tell you what they are: Carbo Ceramics, Dolby Labs, and Mitchum, which is basically a low valuation. Uh, Pretty decent return on investment and, and reasonable balance sheet screen. Pretty straightforward. Anything at $100 million or over. But before we get to that, we've got some, uh, we've got an important segment here on the show we like to lead with called Value Guys Wall Street News featuring none other than Momentum. Momentum. That's right. Mo. Thank you. Good yeah, night. You're welcome. Um, got an update from Intrade.com. These are the guys that allow you to buy stock in either Romney or Obama. You've been following that? Everybody's been following it. You know, since the debate, Obama's stock has gone yeah. from um, 78 to 62. That's worse than Facebook over that period. It's not been pretty. Um, and Romney stock is, uh, you know, Romney stock, you said it before the show. You said, say what you want about Romney. He's made us money. Because yeah, a year yeah. ago, he was 15 cents. Yeah. And uh, he's now trading at 38 cents. I mean, really, that's more than a double. And most of that's happened in the last week. Uh, Romney's stock's gone from 20 to 35 in the last week. But even at 20, you were making money versus last year. Absolutely. He has delivered to the financial markets now, here you got, at Intrade. You got, we've got this up on the, yeah. on, the, on the big screen in here. It's just uh, Intrade.com. It's amazing. Now, tell me what we have if we want to do some, okay. well, you know, some technical indicators yeah, on, 
All right, we're going to – I'm a value guy. Let me just say neither of these guys have any earnings. So this is all – this is in I your – I thought you were going to say not, neither of them have any value. No, they, <laughs> they have great value, but, I mean, there's no earnings. So I can't look at my normal Well, tools. let's just look at the – let's just look at the okay. – look at the chart on well, Romney here. We've got uh, – okay, here's an important one, chart size. And I don't know, large, medium – Huge. Let's take huge. <laughs> there we go. Huge. Yeah, you have all these all right. uh, choices. Chart type. Closing price, candlestick. Oh, candlestick. That's nice because you see the high, low, and right. the close. Uh, and then I gotta hit this update button. Don't overlook that. Oh, that's it. And to get color, that's nice. Okay. Uh, and then here's what I like. We can introduce some technical tools here that you know more about than I do. Mo. Let's put do a you? let's put a Bollinger band right. on there. A Bollinger band. Yep. Uh, okay. Let's see what that does for us. I think that has something to do with. Um, Showing us where the uh, standard are. deviation is of the recent trading, but uh, uh, I, that doesn't tell me a thing right. uh, other than this this line seems to be going up. Okay, we can also do uh, holy cow! You can do a a shaken oscillator, a, Mo. Is that like a shaken steak? Uh, let's try it out. A shaking it says click here, and so uh, we'll get an even better view here of the future. The shaken oh a shaken oscillator. Look at that. Yeah, something's going on. This has been a flat, absolutely flat line, the uh, oscillator, since January of, of 11. And all of a sudden, since September, it's going crazy, right? It's Look at unbelievable. That. It it's looks a, like it's the a, Federal Reserve monetary statistics, <laughs> something like that. All right, let's see. What about this one, Mo? Uh, rate of change. That's something even I can understand. Or you could do a slow stochotic. You want to do that one? All right. Yeah. Slow stochotic. Uh, slow stock. Uh, oh God, that does not look good, does it? I have no idea. No, that looks. I don't know what that, that looks like. Is. A guy anyway, having a heart attack. <laughs> I guess if you know what any of this stuff is, go to the website, look it up, know, and you can do a you can do a huge technical analysis. But end of day, Romney's making us some money. Making money. He's got the uh, momentum going. Yes, he seems to. The mitmentum. In fact, tonight is the uh, Ryan uh, Biden debate going yep. on right now. Which Actually, we're taping. We're missing it to do the show. That's the kind of loyalty we have to the listener. Yep. 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 Uh, and who knows if that's – what do you think? Now, again, you're a technical guy. Is the, de, is the debate tonight, the Ryan-Biden slugfest going on right now? Going to influence will, yeah, the will stock. It, is, is it an input to your thinking over here? Of course. Or is it's it, like a subsidiary influencing yeah, the subsidiary. performance of its parent. If you yeah. have a subsidiary that loses a large amount of money, yeah. you know, tonight – Tomorrow morning, the parent company is going to take a hit. So this is something you want to look at tomorrow because it's definitely going to be big. Well, news. that's why we're taping it. That's right. why I'm taping it. Yep. Exactly. So, uh, and we'll check in next week with another stock update on these guys and see if uh, we've got the momentum going through the rest of the week. All right. That sounds good. Uh, More interesting than that, we've got some good stocks. Okay. Well, I hope they're good because uh, hopefully if any of that was not – Interesting. You fast-forwarded to this point. And also, I want to mention, we do have a podcast that we put up called Stock Clips. So if you Google up Value Guys Stock Clips or look in iTunes, it's just the stock talk, the stuff about stocks, which maybe many of you are dialing up for. And it's indexed by ticker. And we've, we've kind of used this new vernacular where it's dollar sign ticker, which 
you know, tells people it's a ticker symbol, and we're starting to put up these segments by ticker. So that might yep, be Yep, and helpful. stay tuned because soon we're going to have our own website. We're just waiting for the domain name to come through, which is Stock Clips, K-L-I-P-S. Really? Yeah. Go it's that? sort of more of, you know, it's more the rap vernacular. Clips. I'd have to change the logo like then. Dallas, you know, that's like a know. weekend, well, I think, to do, or, or, or something like that. So listen, you okay. got to love the first company. This is a company that sells sand. I'm just sand. Go ahead. I love take it. it. No, I'm giving it to you. Sand yeah. sells sand. Yeah. That's why the EBITDA margins are where they are. Well, uh, Carbo Ceramics came through a screen, which was basically, uh, I wrote it down here. Give you the specifics on it. From the so, little book of value. Well, actually, look, investment. this is sitting on my desk. I'm going to just throw this out. We own Green Dot here, and uh, Green Dot, you know, uh, sells, basically provides uh, prepaid cards to Walmart and other places. And American Express said they were coming into the business. So we did some pretty good work here on the impact on Green Dot. Uh, our cost is a little below where it is today, but it's an interesting uh, – and it came up in our screen, which was yeah, basically yeah. – Low PE, high return on investment, good balance sheet. This I'm just this is just a drive by. Green by Green Dot G D O T. They've got pretty good profitability, pretty decent return on equity and assets. American Express is coming in to compete at a better price to the consumer, and it's of some concern. So we're trying to figure out what that means. But I think they'll uh, survive. You know, I do. Uh, Amex is basically, uh, they own their own network. They're Amex cards. It's going to be branded Amex. Green Dot is partnered with Visa and MasterCard. And Visa and MasterCard do not have their own capability to put these cards into stores. I mean, that's a and, and track it and authorize the customers and all that. Visa is basically a branding and then exchange company. Uh, and all this other stuff Green Dot does. So it'll, it, you know, it'll just be interesting to see how it rolls out. Amex and Visa do compete well against each other. And actually, uh, Visa trades at low 20s multiple, Amex low teens. So there's something going on there. Uh, and it, but the, the, the market has killed Green Dot, which is why we got into it in the first place. Uh, but anyway, that's... Look it up. I don't want to get into it. Well, that's not one of our choices tonight because it is a ton of risk, and um, I actually sold a little bit of that today, I want to say. Uh, okay, first up, Carbo Ceramics, ticker CRR. They came through this uh, screen, value screen, and what we liked about them, or I'll speak for myself, is it's six times EBITDA. I like that. They've got uh, no debt. They've got uh, $2 a share in cash on a $60 stock price, but that's still pretty good, no debt. They're putting up a 12% ROA right now, but last year it was 19, and in the last six years it's never been below 10. They levered a little bit mid-teens ROE. Um, and, you know, they've done a good job. Gross margins in the mid-30s, upper four, low 40s, <clears throat> they bring a lot of that to EBITDA, um, you know, in the in the 30s almost very consistently, net margins in the upper teens, what's not to like, and no debt. The stock has been under a bunch of pressure, so, you know, a few months ago or what have you, here I'm trying to fit, maybe a year or so ago, it was close to 200. Today it's at 65. What happened? Well, uh, analyst estimates are down a lot because what they do is provide sand and something called propant, which is a substance like sand coated with, special chemical coatings, but I think of it as resin of some weird kind. 
and they shoot it down these uh, drill holes on oil and gas sites, and it helps to protect the hole from caving in and those kinds of things, and it, it lowers your overall cost of drilling. And so uh, they're in demand. But in the last you know, year or so, because of the prices of natural gas, a lot of that drilling has slowed down, and they're getting hit by reduced um, you know, demand and pricing. But still, over the last six years, sales have nearly doubled, so they're flat for a year. So what? When I look at oil prices, it still suggests to me there's going to be drilling for oil uh, because they haven't come down commensurate with gas. And I think that uh, if they can still put up a 12% ROA, yes, down from 20, but 12 is pretty good, six times EBITDA. Uh, analyst estimates over the last six months have come in 30%, but the stock is down more than 50%. So, you know, that doesn't make sense to me, particularly when oil and gas are needs, not wants. So carboceramics, Mo, I think it's a... You know, very interesting opportunity. Well, you know, when when you say you like the um, you like the fundamentals, you ask yourself, what would a stock um, what would a stock trade on? Why would a stock trade down if its fundamentals are good? One of the reasons that the stock could could trade down like this is um, nothing to do with the fundamentals. It's just got ahead of itself. So this is another sort of take on this. Um, in 2009, you know, the revenues of this com company were like $340 million. And then in 2010, they jumped up to $470 million. And then in 2011, they jumped up to $625 yeah. million. So clearly, you know, this was the, you know, the, the, the run-up in anticipation of huge demand for fracking. Yep, that that is enough. clearly, that is clearly. And gas prices were running during Yep, that. and that's clearly coming to to fruition, but you could make a good case that technically the stock just got ahead of itself. From 2008 to 2010, you know, the stock was up, you know, 90% in 2009, 50% in 2010, another 20% in 2011. This, this thing was roaring. Yeah. So you can make a good case that, that the fundamentals remain strong. The story is still there. Um, everything on the income statement balance sheet looks pretty clean. And uh, this is just a stock that needs to, to take a breather, and it's, it's retraced itself. And if you look fundamentally, you draw a line from yeah. the, ba the bottom of 2008 to the bottom of, uh, you know, early this year when the, when the stock bounced a bit. You draw a line between those two points, and this stock looks like it's about to hit technical resistance and maybe that breather that it just needed, the, that re-evaluation that the stock needed to undergo is now – Complete the transformations. Completes more realistically priced, um, and this is a long-term story. I mean, this isn't you know this is demand for this is not going to go away anytime soon. Well, that's what I think, but I mean technically, and I don't like to talk about this, but it has been a very weak stock. Um, but I, you know, from a fundamental point of view, earnings estimates have gone down less than the stock. Is it worth a lower multiple now? Uh, you know, in a world where the long-term treasury is uh, 2% or 2.5% or whatever it is, you know... Um, and this has a dividend yield of 1.7, well, which is have not too that, bad. But, I mean, you know, energy demand is something I think you can count on, and that means people have to drill. So I almost think of their earnings stream in some fashion, not that it won't go up and down, but as some type of annuity. And the annuity, I mean, if you want to put a discount rate on it, again, the long treasury... Is a two and a half, 
And let's face it, well in the future, the United States may be gone, but you know what won't be gone? Oil demand. So uh, I almost, you know, not that it's safer than the U.S. government, but I, I certainly think if the long bond is a two and a half, you have some room to pay up a little bit for the type of uh, continuity and, you know, sustainability you have to get in this earnings stream over time. So that's where I'm from, coming yeah, from. Yeah, you know, and uh, since we're since we're talking about, uh, you know, the dividend yield on the stock versus, you know, risk-free rates, um, it does remind me that it's time yeah. to engage in our one of our challenges of the week. I don't know if I'm in any shape for that, Mo. Well, what do you have in mind? You shouldn't chew ice cubes. It's not good My for you. My dentist said that, too. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, guess the dividend. Guess the dividend. This is the, right. this is the part of the show I'm ready. where, you know, you've been doing this for 30-plus years. You get to show off a little bit. I give you, I give you raw, raw historical raw. data. A lot goes into this. And on the spot, no spreadsheets. I don't know if I'm ready yet. No pauses. You... Uh, you do a forecast, a, okay. a one-year forecast I'm on dividends. Now. So here's, I'm going to feed right. you the raw data. Okay, raw data, yeah. And I'm going to round to make this easy. That makes it harder. No, I'm going to make you just keep you the round, numbers. round, it takes data away from me, Mo. Well, Okay, I your call, that, whatever. I'm just ready. It's, it's just going to make it a little more challenging. Okay, more challenging. That's exactly what I need at the All moment. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's 40 cents in All right, 2006. 40 cents. Got it. 40 cents. 50 cents in 2007. You're going backwards, Mo? Oh, sorry, 2006, 40 cents. What? Okay, 2006, 40. Got it. 2007, yeah. 50. 50, yep. 2008, yep. 60. Wow, okay. I'm seeing a trend. 2009, yeah. 70. All right, wow. Okay. 2010, yep. 80. You know, the percentage is going down each time. I'm noticing that. 2011, yep. 90. Wow, okay. 2012, yeah, a dollar. Okay, sure. Go ahead. So, this is the part where All we right. play stump the Wall Street expert. You're going to have. I thought gonna... it was called Guess the Dividend. Well, this is Did a, that the not sub. Roll well, it's the uh, <laughs> it's the subplot of All Guess right. the Dividend. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. What? What's stump the Wall Street. Stump analyst? the analyst. So, what do you? Just the future. How are we? We're going to revisit this a year. From I don't. Now, I don't want to put you on the spot, right. but I want to. What? What is your estimate for, for the record? Okay. For the you record, realize I've already looked at the. Uh, Fundamentals. History. Okay. History will Here's look at this, say, this forecast. You want to take a break? Should we actually? It's going to take me a few seconds to think this through. Should we? Pause. I'll just yeah. Let's pause it. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> I'm going to say, and what am I guessing? 2013. Yes. All right. Full year out. Two full year, year out. out. Full year. I'm going to say one dollar. So flat, breaking the trend that you've been discussing since 2006. And you know why? Because revenues are flat. Revenues are down. Drilling is slowing down. These guys are not going to just pay a dividend because it, they kept, you know, were doing it in the past. I think they're paying out on the basis of a payout ratio. And my guess is that earnings are flat to down. I, you know, if I'm wrong, it's only because they're going to cut the dividend. That's my opinion. And they would cut it. To 90 cents. I think they'll keep that 10 cent thing going. That evidently a few board members are sitting in a room going, Well, how about just around 10 cents? Right? Right. I mean, so how ridiculous. So, anyway, um, I, but I'm going to guess if it goes down, it goes to 90 cents. And that's why we get paid the big bucks. Big bucks for that. Not on the value, guys, but in other, other places. Yep. Yeah. 
Who's our next? Uh, Are we on to the next stock? Who's our next stock? I may have been overserved tonight. Uh, That's because Mo, you were serving I'm yourself. Serving <laughs> All right, next up. And again, this is one that came through the screen Dolby Laboratories. We ran a screen that had a low valuation, below 12 times earnings, uh, more than 12% return on invested capital, and uh, debt to capital less than 33%. It's that simple. And then market caps, I think, above $100 million or something like that. Just a, a basic value screen to get an inbox going so you have stuff to do during the day and you can, you know, get out of the house. So Dolby Labs, DLB, just going alphabetically, Mo. This came onto the screen. What's the big deal about Dolby? Well, my first... Uh, thought would be it's five times EBITDA. That's a 20% cash on cash return. The long bond is two and a half. That's a big gap. I like that. A lot can go wrong and I'm still better off. And then secondly, and this is noteworthy because I'm going to suggest there are not too many companies that sell stuff that put up an upper 80% gross margin. That is freaking impressive right there. So whatever they're doing costs 12 cents and they're charging a buck. I like that a lot. That's what we do. So, you know, who can't respect that? They bring a lot down to the EBITDA margin. Uh, so they're putting up 50% EBITDA margins. Wow. Uh, and then there's some, uh, you know, uh, costs. But still, uh, net margin, you know, there's taxes, etc. Uh, 30%. Impressive. No debt. They have cash. And I like saying this number because it's big, $940 million at year-end 2011. I didn't look at the current number, but it looks like it's probably higher than that, given the trend it goes up every year. And there are 112 million shares, so I'm just going to say that's 9 bucks a share in net cash on a $31 stock price. That's nearly a third of the value in cash. Uh, what these guys do, everyone knows, it might be being used to listen to this podcast. It's, uh, you know, it's some electronics that uh, create better sound. And, uh, you know, who knows? I'm not a scientist. But uh, it says, you know, they improve the entertainment experience. And, you know, they've got filters. And they, and they, and they, and they do. So, Dolby, if you're, if you're listening, we'd love you to... We'd love you to um, Donate some of your services because the next show could come to our listeners in surround sound. We could do that. Multi yeah, five point one surround sound. So uh, if you're listening and you want us to review, review any of our opinions tonight in in some other Dolby way. Dolby sound. Yeah, let us know. Uh, so Dolby, and for those of you that don't know this, because I didn't, this company was founded by Ray Milton Dolby. Dolby. So that's all. It's headquartered in San Francisco. So hotbed of technology, they're right there. Sales go up most years. They've had a kind of flat to down year. I don't know why. You know, maybe uh, Blu-ray didn't sell as much, or it's been a, well, a down a minute, year. Does it say what happened? Well, I'm, nope, nope. I'm not. I'm looking at something yeah, now. When you I'm when sorry. you said that, yeah, yeah, sales go up most years. But take a take a good look at this. Three. Well, they went down in 08, Well, this that was this, a bad year. Right, this this company had sales that were up in 07, 08, 09, 010. You know, they had sales that went up in 11. I mean, yeah. this thing was on a tear. The sales more yeah. than doubled over that period. And then all of a sudden, you know what happens? 
Word gets out next year is going to be terrible. The stock's down 50%, and sure enough, sales are down. So yeah. there was a shock to the system. Well, you can was see estimates came right, in. That, that was announced, you know, in 2011, um, everyone thought that the world was, was looking very good for Dolby, but there, I don't know what it was. Something happened, an announcement took place. So here's the question. The stock is down 54, 54%. Well, off the high, right. did nearly. Uh, well, I'm 70. saying off this, yeah, off this little. But even recently, the, it's down. Yep, and uh, I think this little downturn is more a result of this flattening in sales, and um, so the stock's down 50 percent, and yet, as you said, in one of our other candidates, um, the revenues aren't down 50 percent. Yeah, and uh, so the stock may be <clears throat> overreacting to the news. The question is, what's the news? Well, the estimates have come in, you know. Uh, on a full year basis, 10%, but obviously in, in certain areas where things are discretionary, again, given this big fiscal cliff, we've steered a little bit away from consumer names in the shop simply because you don't know what's coming. I mean, are taxes going up a lot? If they are, uh, you know, you have the uh, payroll tax, uh, you know, cut being eliminated. You have capital gains going up, dividends going up, all these things. And so it's a reasonable thought to think that, the money that you would have spent on goods, you're now going to have to send to the government, and they're not going to buy Dolby stuff. They're going to buy stuff that government buys, which is people uh, who may or may not buy Dolby, um, and and then you know all the other stuff they spend, uh, infrastructure, et cetera, military, et cetera. So I think there's some concern that that fiscal cliff is going to hit demand. But again, just like I said on the last one, if it does hit demand. It's just going to be temporary because this stuff is at the kind of margin where you know they have some sort of monopoly. People want it. They're always going to earn a superior margin and return to relative to other choices in the marketplace. And so almost any demand that slows down is really just postponed until people reorganize their budget to maybe make, you know put it out till they can get the, the Dolby. And again, long bond two and a half. This thing is five times. So I just, I think you, you know, you look at the annuity component of this, and that's what has the value. And so what you're really thinking about is what's the worst case scenario, and if I put a 25 multiple on that because it's some type of annuity, where am I? And on that basis, earnings could go from, you know, they're in the mid twos, and if they went to, you know, one and a quarter, like water companies, they sell at enormous multiples. This isn't exactly a water company, but to audiophiles, are you going to listen to music without your Dolby system? You're going to make a movie without it. Yeah, so yeah, that's no. what I, I kind of like. And you know, you, you, like I think you said, uh, you got to love a company with 88% margins. I just, what are they selling over there? There's very few businesses that do that well. Can you name one? Legal. Not on a PG show. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty impressive. All right. Well, what else do we have here? Um, Who's our? Yep. Last oh. up, and I just want to tell you in advance, this is an energy company because you might make a mistake. Mitchum Industries, ticker M-I-N-D. Ooh, Ooh yeah. Yeah. So uh, what do they do? I mean, again, this was a screen. It was low multiple. Uh, 12 times earnings, 12% return on invested capital, and less than 30% debt to capital. So, uh, and, and bigger than $100 million in market cap. 
Uh, this is, you know, really, I think, maybe the most interesting of the couple we're talking about tonight, Mo, because there's only four analysts covering it, so it's kind of relatively unknown. Right. Uh, they're at 2.8 times EBITDA. That's pretty low. That's a, if you bought it right now, that's a, you know, over 35% cash-on-cash cash return. Uh, they're putting up 40 and this is the down year. Last year, 56% EBITDA margins. This year, 47. They have a lot of DNA, so they're putting up 30s and low 20s EBITDA marg EBIT margins this year. Uh, they had pretty low numbers in 2009 and 2010, but again, mid tw low 20s, mid-teens back a few years earlier. Um, and so they're a little volatile. But what they do is they provide seismic data, uh, you know, to... Uh, to people that are drilling in um, in deep water and on land, I guess I don't know why they mentioned both. They could just say everywhere, but they're providing seismic data to the drillers, and they lease and they lease the equipment in effect that allows people to do that. Seventy-five percent of their revenues are leased, and uh, the rest is uh, not leased. That'd be twenty-five percent. Um, you know, again, just like we talked about on Carbo. The recent drilling activity, and I don't have the drill rig count, but go look at that. That's a key variable. But I know it's going down because gas drilling is, you know, stopping because gas prices are so low, and they're trying to move some of that stuff to oil, but it takes sometimes months and months to get that stuff over. So you get a little bit of a downturn in the uh, revenues of some of the people that, you know, sell to those guys because you have that interruption. But, again, long-term trend, good for energy, and good for people that provide equipment that lowers the cost of finding energy, obviously. But again, here's the secret. Last six months, Mo, analysts' estimates came down 70% for you know the, the quarter, yep. next quarter, yep. and 20%, well, 40% for this year, 20% for next year. But that seems reflected in the stock that's gone from 25 to 15. Right. But unlike the others, the stock price has gone down almost the same percentage as the earnings. So, and you know, and and, and there is something. Uh, if if you again look at the just the stock, basically from a technical perspective, they talk about something called head and shoulders. And what you have is basically you have three humps. That's the shoulders on either side, the head in the middle. Yeah. And each hump is a little higher than the next hump. And head and shoulders. Uh, technical people like it. Let me draw that. There you go. Right? It's like a camel. Yeah, sort of Except like a camel. a three-humped camel. So here's, here's the like way the numbers for Mitchum play out when you look at that. We'll look at it as a camel. The stock camel. Went, the stock, and this is a series of surges ahead coming back and taking a rest. The stock went from 2 to 7, and then came back to 5, took a little bit of a breather. Then it went from 5 to 18, came back down to 10, took a little breather, all the time making progress. Then it's gone from 10 to 25 recently we're back down to 15 and it's taken another little breather i know estimates have come down but this is a pretty long-term trend that started in 2008 that technically looks sort of very interesting to me and um, you can see that while sales have been roaring i mean they've doubled from 2009 but um you can see that sales are slowing down a little bit but this is all again it's a long-term secular play with a stock that was a little bit ahead of itself, has had a hell of a run since 2008. It's entitled to take a breather here. 
as long as the, the, the fundamental story is intact, you're probably not buying in at, a, at the top of one of these big run-ups in the stock. Well, I think that's a good point, Mo. But, you know, looking at some of the fundamentals, one of the reasons it does what you're talking about, I think, uh, from a fundamental point of view, is they've got a little bit of volatility around, you know, energy prices. And back in, uh, you know, a few years ago, they were surging, then they cratered, now they're up, now they're down. And, you know, some of that goes with the ebb and flow of expectations in the economies, which for the last five years has been very volatile. And people don't know what's happening. There's these debt crises that come and go, and people get concerned and unconcerned. And I think that affects some of these, you know, oil prices. And so uh, while GDP has been largely flat to down, um, in part because of, uh, you know, demand for uh, autos and, and gasoline, um, I think, you know, oil prices have stayed high. That's just a guess. I'm not an oil analyst. But that's when you look at what's going on out there, that seems to be a big driver. Um, and so you can predict that it's apt to continue in some fashion. I do think that one of their expertises here is uh, – is deep water, and I'd I point that out because, you know, technology to go deep is just really evolving over the last few years, and I mean five. And that's and probably the most fertile territory. Yeah, it's the most fertile. They seem to have a little bit of an expertise there, so I think that you can have some confidence that demand for those kinds of products will continue. Um, but in the near term, um, you know, judging by these estimate revisions, you have to be prepared for a little bit of weakness. But, again, even in the down years, Mo. They don't lose money. Uh, if you look at the seven-year period, their return on assets, you know, the high is 15%, the low is 0.5. <clears throat> but as long as it's never, never negative, you continue to grow assets. Their asset turnover, you know, stays pretty stable. So uh, they just keep adding to their asset base. They keep adding to their equity base. Those things drive earnings growth. And in some way, return on assets is earnings growth, in, you know, in a broad sense. And so, you know, they're delivering that consistently. And right now it's three times EBITDA, which I just think you have to expect means brace yourself <clears throat> for earnings declines, just like when you see a stock with a very high dividend yield, you have to assume they're going to be cutting the dividend. So I would prepare you for that, but it's so cheap that I think you can kind of, you know, take on that, that risk and that volatility. You know, I was just doodling in the, the, the sidelines reading this sheet. And this is, these are sheets from FactSet, which is a great data source. Um, and uh, one of the things I, I look at is, you know, they compile, they, they get the estimates from all of the analysts. They compile those, and you get a sort of directional view of which way the estimates are going. But you also see what the ratings are. And i got to tell you, we're, we're both old analysts. I'm an ex-analyst. And I'll tell you, analysts today are weenies. Because about 90% of the time, when you look on these tables and you say, you know, what's the average rating of all these weenies? It's hold. I mean, there's like a billion holds yeah. out there. There's no zero sells. Yeah. In our day, you either bought it or you were selling it. and We didn't really have holds. But at any rate, here's what's interesting. I know there's only four analysts, but it's the first time I've seen on their average rating an overweight in about a month. Yeah. And I'm always looking for that, and you, you never get it. I mean, we've got we've got strong opinions about these stocks. We either like them or we don't like them, but we have an opinion. But a hold? Well, and I, why would you recommend that? Well, here's a, and here's a question. You no, know, a hold is a buy, in my opinion. And uh, there's this is a stock that's a small stock. It only trades 100,000 or so, 110,000 shares a day. 
And um, so you're not going to make a lot of money if you're a desk trading this thing on these analysts. So if you're going to follow it, you guys out there, you know, get aggressive. It looks attractive to us, so get on the stick because uh, a hold on a stock with no volume? Well, why don't you just become the invisible man, right? Uh, I think so. I mean, hold is the safest thing during bonus periods, if you, yeah. particularly if you think something bad is coming. Uh, and so, yeah, analysts have biases, and you can take advantage of them. Uh, you know, who wants to go out on a limb right now when you really don't know what's coming? Well, that's why I tune in here, because we do. All right. Well, uh, this is the part of the show where we bring you paging through national economic trends. Uh, but, again, as usual, we have not actually paged through it ourselves at this point. So we're going to do that, and then we will be right back after this. Hold on, everybody. Economic trends paging through, and uh, I don't know, Mo. Did you have a chance to look through there? Or I don't well, know, where have you been? We both put. We I put. I a, had to go to the kitchen. For a <coughs> I put a smiley face. You put an exclamation point well, on the same graph. Well, unemployment rate. You know, um, the unemployment rate dipped down the other day, and you had people suggesting that the government <clears throat> had manipulated the number to help President Obama in the polls. I mean, come on. The value guys have been talking about this for some time. This unemployment rate's been going straight down, and it just continues to go down. And I think on the last show, we predicted that it would we be did. going to you this know, level. And we said that that number was coming up. And so, you know, the guys, uh, shout out to Jack Welsh. Um, hey, uh, the Jack. Guys, yeah, come guys on, there, Jack. Uh, who weighed in last week that the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics is cooking the books. Yeah, cook, they're not cooking the well, books. Well, Jack, can I just tell you something? Um, we, we actually track this in, yeah. our, in our shop. I don't think he's looking at it. And um, let me tell you something. Uh, there were 140-some-odd thousand jobs added in July. Uh, the number for August was revised up. There were 140,000 jobs that were added in August. There were only 114,000 in September, so we didn't have this huge jump. The it numbers just pushed were, it below eight percent, and then and the numbers and the numbers were very consistent in terms of the jobs added. They were actually a little weaker than than most people even we were looking for in October. So it's not like this is news. It's not like yeah. the whole world didn't expect it. So when I when I listen to the TV and I watch all these guys coming on questioning, well, it's a big conspiracy theory. Hey guys, guess what? The numbers went down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> read, Study the data. Read, read, look at the data. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. The other thing I'd want to note on this page is interest rates, uh, and these are ten-year uh, rates. They have ticked up a little bit, and that's been a rare phenomenon the last. Uh, number of years. And so the reason I mentioned is when rates go up, you know, that just means that in order to, you know, make money on your loan, you have to be a little more discerning in the project you take on. And in some way that helps growth because people are going to be a little more careful to find 
you know, higher performing projects. So, in, in, you know, and I think if capital gets more valuable, that's good. I just want to mention that. Um, let's see. I also had one here on uh, page four. Um, they have a series here, and this is National Economic Trends from the St. Louis Federal Reserve. You can Google it up. It's free. It's all the statistics on the U.S. economy that you need to know. It's way more than you want to know, I can tell you that. But here they have something called Industrial Production and Institute for Supply Management Indexes. Indexes. And Is, it, ISMA. ISMA, of course. It's better known for that as that. And if you see here, Mo, all these numbers, so industrial production, uh, you know, year over year, and also um, the Institute for Supply Management, these are indexes of how many people think things are getting better, how many people think things are getting worse, have your orders been up from last year, what percent of the people say that, have your orders been down from last year, what percent of the people say that. And these are above 50%. That's good. I note that what's not here is uh, the Chicago something index, which got a lot of publicity a few days ago because their number came in under 50%, and it got a lot of press that, uh-oh, the economy, if the Chicago index is down, that's bad. I mean, I'm saying the ones they actually print in the federal documents are up. So I don't know what Chicago's doing. But and um, just to put that, in, yeah, yeah, just to put that in perspective, when you're at you know fifty, you know wherever we are today, fifty four, fifty five percent. Put that in historical perspective. You go back to nineteen eighty seven; it never really ever gets better than fifty eight percent. Yeah. Right. So we're beating, you know, we're bouncing our heads up against a ceiling that has existed in terms of you know those kind of statistics since nineteen eighty seven. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good number. And I, and I was going to throw in my two cents on something that's related. Yeah. We uh, fast forward for one second. We can Where are we back. going? Sure. 21. 21. Okay. Corporate profits. Page 21, corporate profits. Yep. Bottom of the page. Good you kind of look at this and you think, do you know, since from 2001 to the middle of the decade, corporate profits went from 6% of GDP to 12%. It was a huge run-up. Yeah, it fueled a huge run up in the in the market. I mean, it was a great period. Well, and uh, caps, yeah. yep, then we and we went into the we went into the collapse, the crash, and uh, these profits went from twelve percent to six percent of GDP, and we're back on a tear, yeah. and uh, we are now at corporate profits are almost the highest level they've been as a percentage of GDP since. 1987. Yeah, you know, and that's, uh, I'm, I'm writing my uh, quarterly letter, and, you know, everyone's real worried about the economy, et cetera. The thing that's not growing that fast is jobs. And the reason they're not is that sometimes wages are getting to a level where the company would rather buy a machine than a person because it doesn't ask for raises. And the machines and didn't exist as many in yeah. 10 years ago, and, and they're proliferating. And one of the big machines is called the Internet. So when you get into a downturn like we had in 08, you're just clearing the decks. you got to let people go to survive, and you do that. And then when demand starts coming back a little bit, you realize that you don't have to rehire Betty, and I know we're picking on Betty tonight. She also sent a letter in. But you don't have to rehire Betty because you're finding that the Internet now is doing things for you like, uh, or your network in your office is, 
or, or the technology. Your, your phones are being answered by a computer. Uh, you don't need a library anymore. Uh, you don't need secretaries anymore. And I think there's businesses that, you know, have infrastructure and people around that, you know, they keep around because they can afford to, but you cut them in the downtime and then you realize you don't need them back. And so uh, particularly at the price of labor relative to some of the amazing tools and software that, you know, we've been looking at lately. So do you I, think our, do you think our jobs are secure? I mean, you get no, it. You don't need I, much artificial intelligence no, before you can do this. Fortunately, we're old enough where we, we've been working, you know, we don't have to worry as much as a younger guy does about getting outsourced, but even us, we had to worry for a while that we were going to be outsourced to Indians who yes. would work for a lot less than we would. Of course, uh, they live in teepees. I mean, they, they have no do, housing no, costs. There's places there that look like, you know, San Jose, but they just work for less because things are less. I think what happened was um, just their, uh, their ability to, you know, mimic uh, the accents of Wall Street traders was low. What hurt, so, yeah, yeah, that, that hurt, hurt their value. Yeah, but no, I mean, that, that, I, I think you're right about that corporate profit number. At the same, and, th and that's my theory on the reason. Uh, and you've been able to outsource some labor to machines and technology. You've also been able to outsource some labor to India and places like that. So, um, you know, they say that growth in uh, wealth per capita, before you can, you know, really add productivity to the economy, you do need these uh, changes in technology that, in effect, make a lot of, you know, labor uh, unproductive or less productive. And I just point out to people who think this is a problem that, you know, at one time everyone in America was a farmer. And there were three guys that made, you know, I don't know, pots and pans and clothes. But everyone else was a farmer, and now 2% are. That's good because it frees up those other people to do other things. That's called growth in wealth per capita. And so while we're in this period that's been, in effect, interrupted by the technologies that we're seeing evolve on the internet and you know everywhere else in our hands we're doing the show on the you know on a, on the technology but these people in the next 10 15 years are going to be repointed at other industries or invent new industries or they'll be roadkill well or their kids will will do it or whatever but that's how the economy grows and i think as soon as businesses get more confidence you know, we are sitting with record levels of cash and things like that, and I think that, you know, that could spur growth next year and the year after uh, once we clear up this fiscal cliff problem. So, uh, but good chart. Let's see. I had one here, Mo. And if we're taking too much of your time, listener, just fast forward. This isn't that interesting, I guess, to some people. Oh, you may want, you may uh, not want to miss the next section, though. Where, where are we? The next what? section? Page 7. You don't want oh, to miss I, it. Oh, yeah, page 7. Okay. So, may, professor? Did you have something? Professor, may I? Oh. Please. May I ask? May I ask? Sure, you? I have no idea, but go ahead. Your guidance. Yeah. Um, since you always have been the professor at work. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Is that what you guys are calling me behind my back? They made you the director of research because. I don't know. No one else wanted it. That's why. I don't know. Anyway, so here's what we're doing, professor. Our firm, in order to pursue best practices, has decided that everyone must get registered. Series 65. It's the whole. Yeah, we're doing that. Yeah. Everyone, everyone for us. Everyone. The receptionists are in a study yeah. group. Okay. Ralph, the IT guy, is working with the two security guards. They're getting registered. Yeah. Sarah in the mailroom. They for, all have to do it. The whole that's going to be the thing. That's you know, the they policy. want you got to differentiate the firm. So here's wow. one of the questions that we were batting around in our study group today. Sure. Which is the chairman, Ralph, who works downstairs in the bagel shop. We're getting it. We're getting even people that are close to the firm registered. 
So we're it talking seems a little beyond. Uh, but yeah, whatever. We're talking about the yield curve. Oh yeah. All right. So here's what I here's what we know about the yield curve. If you take what what yields are and put them out over time, you pay more money the further out you go because you you're exposing yourself to inflation risk. Yeah, today, or uncertainty over time, what have you, whatever. Today we were talking about an inverted yield curve. So yeah. the short-term rates are really high, and the long-term rates are really low. Yeah. What the hell does that mean? Uh, well, in, in, the, in, you know, in the simplest terms, it means that you think uh, that returns in the future are going to be lower than they are now. That there's a just you know there's a there's a short-term demand for cash that's going to vanish over the next few years, and sometimes that can be caused by uh, you know liquidity crisis. Everybody wants money right now, and so the price of it goes up. It could be that you're in a bubble phase where everybody wants money to do whatever it is that's bubbling. And uh, and yet, you know, cooler heads at ten-year money don't think that opportunity is going to be there forever. It's oftentimes interpreted as the you know the sign of an imminent recession, right. as the bubble's going to blow off. And so, uh, but you know, it could be uh, just a big bubble of inflation that's kind of rolling through. And yet, longer term, you think it'll be absorbed into the economy in other ways. I mean, but you know, I'm no economist, but those would be my my thoughts on that. Why are we? We're not in that situation now. No, but it it, it helps to uh, no. We did this simply for the study group. Oh, for the study group. And what did everyone think? Did they? Well, we know now because we've been, we'll oh, be you listening were to the, the show. Well, the, I, that may not be right. Group Here's what I had on page seven. There's a chart called Standard and Poor's 500 index with reinvested dividends, and uh, I just want to point out that. Right, like a few months ago, the year-over-year -year return was zero. No one likes that. Right now, the year-over-year -year return on the S&P 500 with the dividend, and the dividend yield is probably higher than it typically is, maybe a couple percent on average. But it's it's around. It looks like it's almost 30 percent, Mo. And I just want to point out when you're there, 30 percent year-over-year return in the S&P 500. You're in pretty rare air at that point. That's not normal. Um, and you look back over this chart, there's only a handful of times, most so of which are in the 90s, right. that, when that, we were having ever, a good time. That of that's ever happened, yeah. But it's just rare. And so I think you know, a lot of it is because uh, you can see the S&P was down 40% you know, not, you know, year over year in January, February 2009, and that's even more rare air. So we're kind of recovering from that. But... I think if you own an equity portfolio, you're probably feeling, you know, not too bad right now. You're up nearly 30% year over year. and uh, That takes some of the pain out. Yeah, some of the pain. So uh, what else did I have here? Do you have anything else, Mo? No. I had, a, I had one other, a couple other ones here, one or two. One is inflation. We're always talking about that. The Federal Reserve pumped so much money into the system, and that's because they wanted to try to ensure there would not be a Great Depression uh, Bernanke, a student of you know the Great Depression and all that, promised Milton Friedman on his 90th birthday that he would not allow the uh, United States to go into a Great Depression, and so he had to, he's pumped all this money in part because the propensity to spend money has gone down, so you got to punch even more money out to offset that. And if that was his goal, he's done a good job, you know, no Great Depression. Uh, but we keep thinking, is inflation coming? Is inflation coming? 
And I'm going to just say that um, in the last bar on this chart, you've got something called consumer price index and producer price index finished goods. This is on page 9, National Economic Trends. They have just skied. Now, this is admittedly only a three-year chart right here. But still. But still, the consumer price index has popped. Uh, and I guess this is uh, January, February, March, April, May, June, July. That's the August number they've printed, I guess. They I had know. to make the chart bigger to uh, accommodate it. 8%, which is not seen on this chart. And the producer price index, including food and energy, is up year over year uh, over 20%. Now, they also show a number excluding food and energy, which is, you know, 2%. So I know it's food or energy, and then on the same page, Mo, you can see there's actually charts of oil and gas prices, which are flat year over year. Yeah. So I know this is food prices, Yeah. and I think, what is that, corn because of crazy ethanol demand or something yeah, like that? you don't even like corn. I don't, but the market certainly does, so yeah. that's a little bit alarming if that's going to, if if corn prices are now at a level where for the next 11 months, we're going to see 20% year-over-year increases into the uh, producer price index. I mean, and it may not be corn. I mean, how does corn get into the producer price index? But I don't know, something in the producer price index, and it could be feed stock, you know, feed for cows, I don't know, but it's up 20%. I'd keep my eye on that. Compensation per hour, also on page 9, the most two recent bars, this is a quarterly number, are at the highest combined rate in, again, over three years, running at somewhere around 5% year-over-year on compensation. And so, you know, that also can, uh, uh, you know, be, be an indicator of future inflation. So I just, I would just uh, watch out for that, Mo. And that's, uh, that's all I had on that. So well, I don't know. We're, are we're we done? At, we're done. Our wives need us home? We're, we're finishing 15 minutes later. Oh. At least every, there's no traffic now. Every month, yeah, that's true. All right, well, uh, I think that uh, we probably should give our favorite stocks just uh, for Phil, you know. And I'm going to pick this week. You want to go first, Mo? <laughs> you chicken. Let's give a moment for the listeners to guess. Uh, you know, uh, I'm going to say, uh, because I think it's super-duper proprietary, Dolby Labs. Interesting, interesting. Five times EBITDA. And I'm going to go with Mitchum. So there we are. We're on the record. Carved in digital stone, digital stone, as it were. So thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been another episode of the Value Guys Stock Talk Show. See all our caveats, disclosures, photographs, and arrest warrants, if they're out there, at www.thevalueguys.com. So long, everybody. And have a good week.